Welcome back to the Beyond the Wire podcast. I am your host, Tim Keller. Along with me is my co-host, Mr. Matt Disher. He's got the red going on behind him. He's feeling ominous. How are you doing, sir? I can't complain. I'm uh, going on vacation next week, so I've got a couple of days left to, to, to be here in the real world, and then I get to escape for a little while. So um, I, I think we have some interesting topics to discuss today. Uh, you and I, Tim. So uh, I look forward to this uh, this podcast, and and I will not be here next week. So let's make the best of it. Yeah. So w- where are you headed? Uh, a little place called Orlando, Florida. You nice. may have heard of it. Nice. Yeah. Nice. It's uh, we're in we're in second winter right now in Ohio. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you're in you're yeah you're in you're in Pennsylvania, so you know what I mean. Uh, there's there's full spring. There's real spring. There's Second winter, third winter, et cetera. So last week we had the 60s and 70s. It's full spring. Like, ha ha, tricked you because it's going to snow tomorrow here. (laughs) Uh, So we're going into second winter right now. We had 75 degrees yesterday. And uh, the rest of the week's going to be, I think this weekend's going to be in the 60s, which is okay. We're, we're, it's inching to that point, but we keep getting these days where it just can't stay warm. Mm -hmm. So I'm ready to get some, some sunshine and some swimming pool. It's that time of year where Mother Nature is very bipolar, you know. Right, right. She she wakes yeah. up, she's like, you know, let's be sunny for a little bit, right. and then we're just gonna have a thirty degree drop in the middle of right. the day, and everybody's gonna freeze. Yeah, so I hate this. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to yeah. be warm. It, yeah. It's it's funny because my wife always complains, like, why do we live here? I'm like, I don't know. Why do we live here? I'll go. I'll go anywhere. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I'll go somewhere else. Great point, lady. Let's leave. Right. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well. I hope you enjoy Orlando. It's going to be a lot nicer down there this time of year than than up here in Cincinnati. That's for sure. It it really should. Yep. But um, yeah, it's just me and you this week. We have some uh, some news to cover. We have some other topics we wanted to talk about. So let's get into the news. The first one I I brought up was the uh, the Army is not trying to muscle in on the Marine Corps' mission in the Pacific. Apparently, the Army is going to ramp up their role in the Pacific. But the Army generals are saying they are not going to try to muscle in on the Marine Corps' mission if war comes to the region, which, surprise, surprise, it's probably the smartest move. Um, you know, they do a great job in the article of, uh, you know, making sure the Army or the, the Marine Corps is aware that, you know, we have a great relationship with the Marine Corps. They have a, uh, a, a great stronghold in the Pacific region, and we're not here to step on any sort of toes. Um, I... I I really don't see the purpose of the army coming to the Pacific other than just kind of they ran out of other places to put bodies. It's it's posturing right now. I mean, in the Pacific, you know, the the for the last handful of years we've been flexing against China and mm-hmm. and things like that. And the you know, army is a big entity, no doubt. Uh the army's huge uh compared to the Marine Corps. The Marine Corps historically has that amphibious raid capability, small unit tactics, which really is, if you look at the the history of like special operations, warfare and doctrine, uh, you know, going back to the John F. Kennedy days, uh, I think JFK's administration said all the, the battles of the future will be fought with smaller and smaller entities, uh, smaller and smaller combat elements. And that's really what the Marine Corps is designed to do these days is like amphibious come from the sea, amphibious raid. The Marine Corps is not a massive occupation force, you mm-hmm. know. And so you, you can't really fight a battle in the Pacific, in my opinion. You know, and I'm not a I'm not a, a war tactician. You can't fight a battle in the Pacific, as we found out in World War II, with massive occupational forces. You have to do it with small amphibious forces. And so I think it's uh, I think it's posturing just to let any uh, apparent opponents know that we've got you know millions of people to bear 
into the Pacific. I could be wrong, though. I, you know, no, and that's, it, I think you just hit it right on the head because here towards the bottom of the article, it says about how the uh, Army has the largest ground force of the uh, U.S. military. And it sounds like the idea would be that uh, it would be the Marine Corps to come in, make the amphibious assaults, push that front line back uh, inland a little bit. And that's where the Army then comes in and yep. begins to allow the Marine Corps to continue to push forward. Right. Uh, as, as they start to occupy what's what's now been, uh, you know, taken over, essentially. Yeah, it's always been my opinion in, in just my personal experience from having served in the Marine Corps that like we're we weren't designed to be to come in and bring 100,000 guys mm -hmm. on the ground and set up shop and hang out for a little while. It's not it's not the design of the Marine Corps. We, we simply don't have the capability or the budget to do that kind of thing. So we were always designed to. You know, get on the zodiacs, get on the AAVs, drop off in the ocean in the middle of the night, roll up on the beach, surprise some people. Haha, -ha, we're here. Overwhelming gunfire and, and firepower, and then maneuver warfare, move them out of the way, establish a beachhead, etc. It's supposed to be a raid force. It's supposed to be a, a very fast-moving offensive force, not an occupation of fifteen islands. You know. Yeah, uh, we're supposed to be little tiny tornadoes come through, wreak <laughs> havoc. And then, you know, leave and let somebody else come in and try to clean up the mess. Little Tasmanian devils. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Just come in. Absolutely. Spin around, wreck as much as possible, and keep on going. You know, cause cause hate, hate and discontent, as we <laughs> yeah. always said. Go yep. in and cause hate and discontent. discontent. Yep. Oh, my. Uh, and our next news article, uh, Matt, Matt wanted to bring this one up. And it's exciting. It's fun. Mildly scary, if you think about it. But robot security dogs have arrived at Air Force bases in the state of Florida where you're going to be next week. You might actually see one of these robot dogs. I mean, you're going to where drones are washing up on shores. There's robot dogs. I mean, it this sounds like a great a, vacation. It sounds like a magical place. It, yeah. it really does. And I see all of the best news comes from Florida. It always starts with Florida man. Florida yep. man eats yep. somebody's face. Florida <laughs> man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've seen this movie before. Uh, the, the robot dogs become self-aware. Suddenly mm -hmm. they're arming themselves. They're reproducing by building themselves with machine guns on their backs. Next thing you know, Freaking Arnold lasers, <laughs> freaking lasers. Uh, next thing you know, Arnold comes busting through the wall. Get to the chopper. The bridge is out. <laughs> and and yeah. and that's and then we've got movies with Sarah Connor and John Connor running around. I mean, we've all seen this. We know yeah, what happens. Trying to kill the dogs. robot dogs or. Right. Or the robot dogs begin to teach regular dogs oh. how to fight back against their human oppressors. And really, then we're dealing with like a planet of the dogs. It's much like the planet of the apes. But instead of Caesar, it's going to be like Rex Spot. Yeah. You right. know? Right. So it's it's yeah. um it's a different thing. It's it's the 325th Security Force Squadron down in Florida has semi-autonomous robot dogs, which it wants to use as extra security around the Florida Panhandle installation. So it seems like these dogs, as of right now, are just kind of spotters. They they are fixed with multiple cameras. They can provide 360-degree uh, coverage of areas, so they'll deploy them as they feel needed and have them try to... like. But if you see a robot dog, do you get to pet it? Like, can you come up? Hey, boy. Hey Good there. boy. Hey, pal. Uh, yeah, I mean, wh why not? Uh, it's It's a dog, right? Just got cameras on it. Do you think? I mean, do you think it has a tickle spot where the back leg will start <laughs> to twitching? <laughs> well, I got you, boy. There you go. <laughs> hey there. Do they do they have names or are they just like numbered? Like, oh, well, there's this, Alpha two eight nine. It seems I'm sh I'm sure there's uh you know a serial number associated with each one, but 
this apparently this breed is called Spot. It is a Boston Dynamics robotic dog. Yep. So Spot was featured in a Boston Dynamics interview on 60 Minutes. Uh, apparently this past Sunday. It says people and animals can go anywhere on earth using their legs, founder and chairman of the company. Uh, that's why they designed these dogs with actual legs. Have you seen these things move around at all? Uh, yeah, you can you can YouTube go in there and Google yeah. the, the Boston Dynamics uh, robots and they're hitting them with hockey sticks and kicking them. And I'm I'm always really worried that like they're doing this to see how it maintains its balance, balance and yeah. how it can walk and jump and do things. And and they are exceptionally it's scary to watch because it's it's very humanoid or in this case uh, like a canine. But these things always recover. You push them over and they stand back up on their own. I'm always waiting for the machine to get mad at the person. Stop. He swings the hockey stick and he just grabs it. <laughs> no. Uh-oh. Oh, oh dear God. God. Man of the robots. <laughs> no. Well, that's right. why they should, I, I in, mean, the back, in the back corner of the room, they should just have one guy who sits there silently. And the second that happens, he, you know, brandishes his weapon. <laughs> two to the chest, one to the you know, robot head and puts it down. But, but do you imagine that this robot, the, the, the guy pulls out his firearm and uh, and then suddenly the robot like moves across the room at lightning speed. And yeah. and then now the robot's armed. Good job, yeah. guys. You brought a <laughs> you brought a gun to a robot fight. Yeah, we've given the robot ammunition. Apparently, um, the company has sold more than 400 spot robots worldwide. I'd like to know who else is buying these other than the United States Air Force. That's kind of scary. Each costs about $75,000. I just imagine like Abu Dhabi, there's a bunch of these, you know, oil princes over there that have these robot dogs serving them drinks or something at their parties. But $75,000 I mean, for a dog. Wouldn't you, though? Wouldn't you have one of those? I guess if I had I mean, essentially all the money in the world. <laughs> let's just be honest. Yeah, uh, it's it's one of those things where uh, I'm sure that these will become every, all the cool stuff starts out with the military. I'm sure it'll become available to the civilian population. Now at $75,000 a piece, I wonder if they've had any discussions about what happens if we lose them. Like they do the drones, they shoot down what we were talking about last week. Um, yeah. Like, Oh, we lost another robot dog. And then next thing you know, some ladies using this dog to carry her groceries at the grocery store down the street in Florida. Mm, uh, yeah. I, I, but I, I mean, honestly, if I had, you know, if I had 75 grand sitting around and I wanted to go blow it on something silly, I'd go get a robot dog. Why not? Well, you brought up what happens if they start to lose these. One of the other articles up on military.com is the theft of military equipment is on the rise at Fort Bragg. So, you know, we talked about the Humvee a few weeks ago uh, out there in California. Um, we talked about somebody that lost some M16s uh, that, that's under investigation. You know, military gear has a tendency to sometimes walk away. In this case, yeah. actually can walk. Yeah, right. I don't know. <laughs> well, so I mean, are, are these things automated? I I have to imagine that they're automated. Like, there's not. There's probably somebody sitting in a a bunker somewhere in Las Vegas controlling them or whatever. Or maybe they're there in Florida. But I have to imagine that these things have some sort of automation. Like they're on guard mode, and, and what I mean by like sentry mode. I think that mm -hmm. that was a from a video game on Nintendo sixty four. I cannot remember the game. Uh, anyway, you could set them up for sentry mode, and that means they they, they just sit there until their sensors or the cameras pick up something. Mm -hmm. and, and then they start broadcasting or they alert, you know, the, the MPs in this case, maybe. Here's here's my only concern. And, you know, uh, it's way beyond uh, you know, my scope of, of expertise. But 
more and more the talk is that future wars are going to be fought through technology. Mm-hmm. So if we have these robotic dogs that can, like you said, be on sentry mode, essentially just be put in place. And then once their motion detection picks something up, they start broadcasting. Yeah. Couldn't that also be used in reverse where individuals could possibly scout a base, um, you know, activate these cameras and start scouting, you know, the location of buildings and things around military installations. I would assume it's just a thought. You know, I'm I know I couldn't do it, but I'm sure there's somebody out there that has the ability to hack into this thing's mainframe and take it over. And yeah, it's my understanding that uh, everything is hackable. I realize that there are really good security systems on electronics and on computer systems and things like that. But uh, we've heard over the years that even some of the best systems are hacked. Mm-hmm. And I know that different governments go and hire hackers to, yeah. to to do their hacking for them. So these are people that get caught doing it illegally. And then they're like, hey, let's hire you to come do it and try to break into our system. Yeah, certainly. I mean, if, you, if you're using these, unless they're like on a closed circuit system or something like that, uh, which... Maybe that's the case, but I think if anything is broadcasting, if this robot dog is broadcasting a signal back to an MP a mile away, I'm sure that signal could be hacked or intercepted. So you're right. You know, what I think about with these is you you think about the movies or the video games where somebody's trying to sneak into a high tech top secret thing. All you got to do is like slink around and hide behind countertops. And when the guard faces the other way, you just walk behind them and stealth kill or or you sneak around and nobody ever sees you. you throw a rock to the other side of the room and they're like, oh, what was that? And they go investigate over there and then you can sneak around. These dogs would eliminate that because these dogs don't fall for the, they don't fall for the, that guy threw a rock on the other side mm-hmm. of the room and I'm and sure they'll have, noise. Yeah. They'll have like uh, thermal detection and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. They'll, they'll be scanning the room. If you've ever seen the, there is technology that they take into buildings or houses that can do like a 360 degree scan and it builds like a 3D model of a room. That's what it'll be doing. So when you sneeze or cough, it can detect your thermal, the air you're breathing. This is where it gets really scary. Because then in the future, when we're fighting these things, when Skynet takes over, (laughs) I don't have thermal imaging. I I don't. No, neither do I. I have a hockey stick. I can kick that. I can knock the dog (laughs) over like they do in the videos. But as we all know, at some point, it grabs the hockey stick and says no. And that's it. I am Caesar. Grabs a hockey stick. It's it's gonna be bad. It's gonna almost, be real bad. I almost know. spit out my coffee. <laughs> yeah, it will be. It's uh, gonna be ugly. You know. Hey, go go get as much ammunition as you can now. But remember, do not give it to robots. Well, this is why you can't. This is why you can't find ammunition right now because the yeah. the robot war is coming. The robot war is coming. Everybody knows. That's, everybody knows. Right. That's the only <laughs> thing that we can. It's the only thing that we well, can uh, fight you, back with. You know, Matt. You've you've brought up. You know, movies, we've made references to, uh, you know, uh, uh, Planet of the Apes, Terminator, things of that. Uh, one of the things we like to talk about on a, on a semi-regular basis is how Hollywood gets things wrong or the stereotypes that you see in Hollywood movies or TV shows. Um, you know, let, let's talk about that for a minute. What are, what are some of the big ones that you tend to see over and over? You know, I uh, having been a combat engineer, you know, we blew things up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was uh, the good it, old fireball. It, I gotcha. every, everything is an explosive fireball, and uh, and and when you throw a grenade, for example, and I think everybody in the Army and Marine Corps, at least in, in in school of infantry or some sort of training, there 
throws a hand grenade. I, although I don't recall ever being able to watch the explosion, you could see other people's explosions. And uh, they're not fireballs. And they don't destroy, they don't level houses with one frag grenade. Yeah. Uh, you also can't shoot C4 with a pistol and make it explode into a huge fireball either. So uh, those are those were always the ones for me. You'd see these guys, I think uh, Wind Talkers with Nicolas Cage. That was one of the, the, the worst examples of fiery explosions. And here's a guy with a 1911 pistol. And he's just in chaos. There's a thousand guys raining down on him. And he's just randomly shooting in different directions and hitting guys at 100 yards away with a pistol that holds less than 12 rounds. Yeah. Um, and I don't think he ever reloads. So those are some of the things, the big fiery explosions, the way that explosions work. They don't work in real life. Uh, again, you're not going to shoot the trunk of a car full of C4 and make it detonate unless you hit a blasting cap by accident, which is firmly packed into that stick of C4. Uh, uh, you know, I think that the other piece is the uniforms. Mm -hmm. and, and this is one that I commonly see in the, the different military groups on Facebook. When somebody gets a uniform wrong and somebody criticize, criticizes it, there's always the guy that comes in and says, well, Hollywood has a rule. It has to get the uniforms wrong. I'm like, no, it doesn't. That's a misnomer. What's really happening is, and we talked about this in one of our other episodes, they didn't hire Dale Dye yeah. to do their, they didn't hire Captain Dale Dye, U.S. Marine Corps retired, to do their military advisory. So the person doing the uniforms has no idea what they're doing. That's what they got wrong. You'll you'll see, uh, you know, a six-star, seven-star general. You'll see uh, somebody with uh, like captain's bars, you know, on the on their shoulders, but then they have like uh, sergeant's insignia on their on their sleeve, right. and you're like. What is it? <laughs> it's, it's well, it's it's clearly it's it's General Colonel, yeah. Corporal Navy Seal Army Ranger, yeah, uh, you know, Thompson. They have the uh, they'll have the, the jump wings, the scuba bubble, you know, the EOD pins. Yeah, like, man, this guy's just he is living the life. I mean, there are a handful of individuals out there with quite the selection, but. You right. know, the movies can they'll show you an entire squadron of individuals that are supposed to be just the baddest men on earth, supposedly. So. Yeah, right. Well, and, and 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 that's it. It's uh they get it wrong and then they have the ranks wrong. And it a simple a simple Google search mm -hmm. will tell even the layman, it'll tell somebody how to make a Marine Corps, an army uniform, or a navy uniform look the right way. Mm -hmm. Uh I think in a lot of cases they get these right in historical movies. The the best historical movies are made well, like the Saving Private Ryan's and things mm -hmm. like that. Again, Dale Dye. Uh, was the advisor on that movie, uh, but you know the worst ones are the um, the Lifetime movies or or like the made for TV shows and things like that where you know hey Billy's coming home from war and Billy shows up and he's got I don't know like one pant leg and and the other pant leg is shorts and you know he's got a like a, a Hawaiian floral pattern on one sleeve and he's a yeah he's a ten star general now and he's been in the military for two and a half years. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he's been serving in the Antarctic. Yeah, like, you know, oh, yeah, fighting robot dogs down there. Right, 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 robot dogs. Fighting the robot dogs. Yeah, uh, you brought up Saving Private Ryan. If you want realistic explosions, at least, uh, you know, the beach scene where they're 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 breaching the wire and the minefields and things like that. The Bangalore torpedoes that they set off on the beach. It is when they go off. It is just dusty, dirty. The sand goes right. flying. There is no big fireball. It's a loud boom followed by a lot of chaos, dirt, and in this case, because you're on a beach, sand. That's truthfully what an explosion is. It is it is a small detonation. If done at night, you'll you'll probably see a decent flash. 
Uh, but with Bangalore torpedoes, it's just going to be a cloud. And in this case, a bunch of sand, or if it's done over dirt, a big dust cloud. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I have, I have some photos of us setting off line charges, which are 1,750 pounds of C4. They, they clear a mine the flash there. You, you get yeah. that shockwave. You get a you get a half a second fireball, a half yeah. a second. It's it's the initial explosion, and then it's a big cloud of gray dust. Uh, and and when I say big, it's big. Uh, uh, and, and that's a, a lot of explosions are like that. There there's this cloud of of dust surrounded by maybe a flash of a fireball. Uh, but really, like a fireball is produced by burning fuel, and that's gasoline, diesel, uh, mm-hmm. even something else that that will ignite. Like we did flower shots one time on a, a range, and that was to simulate how they do them in Hollywood to make the big fire explosion. And it was essentially, in a nutshell, an explosion with a bag of flour suspended over top of it. So when it would uh, explode in a barrel, it would ignite yeah. the flour in the air, and it causes this big plume of fiery explosion. Uh, and I can't remember, honestly, I, I didn't set that explosion up. I didn't set up that detonation. So I, I didn't know how exactly they did it. But it was cool. But explosions are not like that. Now, the one thing that movies can't get is the concussion and mm. the sound of an explosion. Yeah. You you can't simulate that through speakers, through through a TV. Uh, that was always, for me, the the um, the part that made me anxious was especially if you're really close to an explosion, it's like, I don't know how big this one's going to be. And, you know, so you always keep your mouth open so you didn't like blow out your ears or something. And, uh, and, and some of those explosions took me by surprise. There was one we did, I forget what the detonation was. We were right next to a beach. And I remember laying head down because it was 10 feet away from me. And I remember laying head down, like face in the dirt. And I watched the rocks in slow motion pick up right in front of me. Like they, they jumped up off the ground, like two inches and then came back down. And like the earth was, vibrating in front of me yeah. super super cool experience nothing like the movies uh, <laughs> yeah. nothing can duplicate that sound yeah absolutely this one's very uh not very sexy at all the uh you know matt somebody comes into your home they they have the gun to your head and they're like come you got to come save matt right now and give me ten thousand dollars well you know i got a breach into matt's office but i don't want to just set off this massive explosion that's going to kill both matt and the attacker you can take a uh, saline bag like the mm-hmm. medics would have, wrap deck cord around it, put it by the hinge of a door, and essentially it's just enough to blow the door off its hinges and it's not going to injure anybody on the other side. Right. That there is a very simple explosion and it's not sexy at all. Like you'll you'll probably never see that in Hollywood because it's he wants to see deck cord wrapped around a saline bag put on a door right. jam. <laughs> or like a two liter bottle of water. Like the, yeah. the intention there was like it, would, it would, the charge would push, the force the, of the, use the water to push yeah. the door in versus like splattering the door everywhere and sending shrapnel and, and you know, door fragments everywhere. Um, you know, though, I we did one of those detonations on a on a wooden door, like what you would build in a regular cookie cutter house these mm-hmm. days. I distinctly remember this on Camp Pendleton. We did one of those detonations and it blew a hole right through the door. <laughs> It didn't. Yeah, if uh, didn't that's take true. Yeah, if you have one of those old hollow, or not, not yeah. old, but you know the newer hollow doors for like simple construction. Right. Yeah, you're probably going to blow straight through the door. And 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 the learning for us there was that if that door is that flimsy and weak, just kick it open or yeah. hit it with a shotgun and, and and knock the hinges off or knock the lock off. I was going to say, or or you put that charge by the lock instead of the hinge. Yeah. Right. And, but but some of these guys, uh, you know. It, after this, like who's carrying around? Who's going to waste? Is, is Doc going to pull out his saline, his yeah. saline water bags and use them on an explosion? So uh, what they started to do was just the door charges on on duct tape. So you mm-hmm. you wrap a bunch of deck cord on duct tape and then tape it to the door near the hinges or near the 
or, or near the the doorknob. Yeah, you know, the doorknob and and that would essentially push it through. Yeah. Um you know, in the movies it always sounds quiet. They did that in, in Zero Dark Thirty, I think they put up a door charge and it made this little like poof sound and the door blew open. <laughs> I was like, nope, it's, it's still exceptionally loud. Yeah, like, it's still very loud. Yeah. <laughs> to, to my knowledge, using conventional explosives, there is no such thing as a quiet explosion. I'm, I'm sure yeah. you can probably create one chemically, but but still, I mean, the, the force of these things, the, the way that they work is by creating this force. It's a pushing force. Um, but you have, you know, different types of explosions. You have the like the cratering charges, which are like ammonium nitrates, the same stuff that that guy used in the Oklahoma City bombing, mm-hmm. and and those will create big sloppy explosions. Big, you know, it pushes dirt out of the way. It's a. I always thought this was funny when we talk about it. It's a relatively slow explosion. It's a slow explosion. Yep. Yeah, and I'm like, what does that even mean? If I'm standing <laughs> here, it's not slow. Yeah. Um, versus C4, which is a relatively Quick. fast explosion. Yep. It's for cutting metal and blowing through things. You know. Well, you have, yeah, like you just brought up, you the C4, the data sheet, the fast, quick charges, they blow quickly, cut through things. Dynamite, TNT are more of the slow explosives. Uh, dig a hole, put a stick of TNT in there. Now you got yourself a bigger hole. Yeah, it's, like, like, a, <laughs> it's like the everyday explosive, explosive to use for whatever, you yeah, know. Drill uh, into a big, massive tree, stuff some TNT or dynamite right. in it, set it off. You've blown the tree up, you know. Right. The tree's now falling. Except in the movies, uh, all they ever use is C4. It's always plastic explosive. Yeah. Hand me the plastic explosive. I'm going to mold these into a little elephant, and then I'm <laughs> going to place it on a... That it, would be, uh, it would be cute yeah. if, if there was like a, a military comedy where someone did origami, essentially, with C4 yeah. and made, oh, it's the origami you know, bandit. <laughs> ah, there he is again. Boom. Ah. <laughs> oh, it's a beautiful yeah. dove. <laughs> right, right. Now, with the, with the data sheet we did, uh, we could carve out Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember doing this on an I-beam one time, uh, taking the data sheet and carving out different shapes, and then you could detonate those shapes into the metal, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, you know, being 20-year-old kids, like, that was amazing. You get to play with explosives. And you'd have guys playing Bangalore baseball, you know, hey, here's a ball of C4, let's throw it at a Bangalore, and we'll hit it. And, you know, the, the grunts we were with were always freaking out, like, you guys can't do that, we're all going to die. And uh, we, we were sometimes foolish, but... Um, no less, we were kids, and uh, and we knew that in most cases these things were not going to detonate. Now, yeah. I will tell you the one the one time when I was actually ever scared uh, playing with explosives in a training environment was when we put the tilt rod onto a uh, an anti tank mine. Mm. So, for reference, anybody who doesn't know this, a tilt rod attaches to the top of an anti tank or an anti vehicle landmine. This is a landmine that's like fifteen pounds of explosives. So if you're on top of this thing, when it goes off, you're gone. There's nothing left. Um, tilt rod is sometimes vehicles can drive over these things. If they're, if the mine is improperly placed in the ground, a vehicle can, can go fast enough and drive right over them without detonating the mine. So the tilt rod is meant for, I don't know, it was a 12 inch stick that came off off the top. And if you tilted it 20 degrees, it would detonate the mine. So a vehicle would drive over it and clip it and tilt yeah, it. There you go. And, uh, we took the safeties off this thing. And it was like a windy day and I was freezing cold and we had to take the safeties off and then put the safeties back on so it couldn't tilt. And I was shaking because I was cold. It was yeah. windy and I was shaking because I was really nervous. And I, <laughs> I distinctly remember this. Like I told the instructor who was the EOD guy, I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm not, I don't want to put the tilt rod back on. Uh, we're sitting in a crater on a demolition range. I'm like, I don't want to end up pink mist. Like what happened to dish? Yeah. Uh, 
he yeah. got nervous and uh, <laughs> I was like, I'd rather be the guy like go make fun of me in the barracks because I didn't want to put the tilt rod back on. But yeah. uh, I, I wanted nothing to do with it. I, I agree with you. Uh, the landmines were my least favorite of the explosives we got to play with. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just something about them made me uneasy. I had, I'd much stuff. rather sat there and played with the C4 and the dynamite and the TNT and make, you know, make homemade bangable torpedoes and things of that nature. All right. day. I, well, I do that stuff. And that's because that stuff was stable and you knew it after yeah. playing with it. You knew it was stable. It, it, it's not like the movies where, you know, you trip and fall and it explodes. It doesn't work that way. Like it, you have to have a controlled, you know, high heat, high pressure, yeah. uh, you know, packed in detonation from a blasting cap or something like that. And and there were plenty of times where we put these things together in like grape shots where we'd take C4 and blasting caps and we thought we had it all put together right. And then you get back down there and you just splattered C4 everywhere. It didn't even detonate. And it's like, oh, I thought I did this right. I have all this years of experience and I did it wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, th- there's still a wrong way to do it. Anyway, the movies always get it wrong. Uh, Saving Private Ryan got it right. The explosions were dusty and loud and confusing and, you know, but. Uh, well, the movies aren't the only ones that get it wrong. Um, I can't find the one that I sent you for certain the other day, but. Uh, I did find a, a child's costume. Essentially, Walmart has formal Marine uniform costumes. And I'm gonna I'm gonna share my screen here. We're gonna bring these up. So anybody watching on YouTube can see these, but for $45.53, there's only one left, folks. You can go to Walmart.com and order yourself the formal marine uniform. Um, you know, I'll I'll give you this. The the young man's got what appears to be some combat boots on. Uh, with his dress uniform, he's got his dress blues. He's got the blood stripe. It looks like I'm seeing two, maybe three stripes. So it's a corporal, a sergeant. Yeah, he's, he's he's definitely enlisted. Um, I'd say I, overall, it's not a terrible child's uniform. I I would if I saw a a young man or woman walking down the street in this in, in Halloween, I would <laughs> I would immediately know. Um, yeah. What they were attempting still, to be. Still, still, here's the funny thing, Eric. My son has this costume, and he wanted to wear it for uh, for Halloween a couple of years ago. And so I posted it. Naturally, I posted it back to a uh, back to a, a Facebook a military Facebook page, and and a bunch of people wrote that. And um, it was pretty funny because I think they were kidding, but uh, yeah. it, I think some people honestly were like, "Well, you can't wear that uniform. He's not a marine." I'm like, "Yeah, well, he's also eight, so yeah. and it's not, <laughs> not a real uniform, like." Um, by, by the way, it, knowing, knowing Eric, we we all know he's kidding. Yeah, Eric Eric McKnight with the stolen valor comment, which which made me laugh. Um, I'd say the biggest the biggest mistake here with this uh, uniform is the hat. I don't know what insignia this is supposed to be on that cover there. That. I have no idea. It looks like an eagle of some sort. <laughs> I can't see it. The screen could be too like small. two swords crossed, possibly. I, yeah. I really don't know. But hey, I right for. The one I sent you was for it was a men's formal marine uniform. I can't seem to find that one on the website, so I don't know where it came from. That one I kind of have an issue with. If you're a grown adult and you want to dress up as a marine, hey, you had your shot, buddy. You could have joined when you were eighteen. Well, and at Sorry. least, at, at least, I mean, if if you're dressing as you know, some men dress as superheroes, and, and just the same if you're dressing as a marine, a superhero, uh, get it right. Get the uniform. Right. At least try to get it right. Call Dale Die. <laughs> and, and get Dale Die to make sure that your uniform is the right. Can way. you come over for my? I, I have a Halloween party I'm going to. I want to make sure I get my uniform right. Right. Um, I, I'm I'm a fan of of the Marvel movies and and those things. I, I I've watched most of those. 
but I'm not going to. Okay, I personally am not going to dress as Iron Man, but I could understand dressing as Iron Man. It's he's not real. Right. Spider Man's not real. Like, go ahead, right. dress like them. Marines are real. Like, don't. Um, if you want to be a Marine, yes, you can be a Marine. You can go try. Well, you can go try to be a Marine. I I found one here on Google, oh, and okay. uh, let's see if I can get this up here. Okay. Um, and we'll see. That's no, not going to work here. Yeah, it won't work. Um. Anyway, yeah, I just googled men's formal Marine costume. Okay. And this, aside from the medals that the little kid had, this is the same thing. This gentleman uh, is wearing a corporal costume. It, it, it's it's the, the two stripes on the sleeve, but he doesn't have the cross rifles. So he's a, apparently he's an army corporal. Uh, <laughs> and, and he's got the same thing, the same eagle thing on his, on his cover, on his hat. Wow. Uh, but this dude's probably 25 years old, uh, walking around trying to look like a Marine. Anyway, uh, yeah. that's, the, but that's the thing that uh, when I watch these movies, I see, I see some of these costumes that they're using. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> it's from Walmart also. Yeah, uh, out they of are stock, out of stock. 3790. Yeah. I mean, for if you told me I didn't have to go through 13 weeks of boot camp, you know, and I could have just paid $38 essentially. <laughs> well, let's be honest. I mean, that's why that's why I joined. Yeah. I saw this uniform. And you're like, man. Uh, we're we're, we're going to talk about this here in a minute. But, uh, you know, the the the. the the idea that the conversation here is, would you do it all again? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, but if I, if I got to just buy the uniform off of Walmart, why would I, you know, why would I go back and do all that training? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know it was that easy, honestly. Right. Um, speaking of doing it all again, I, I did want to take a second. My niece, Crystal left yesterday for the United States air force. So, uh, it's the air force. So she might actually get to listen to podcasts. So if you do hear this while you're down there, Crystal, Best of luck. I I don't. I know you guys have ice cream machines in your in your chow halls at boot camp, so I you probably get to listen to podcasts. I don't know. They didn't go. They they didn't go virtual boot camp yet. (laughs) No virtual boot camp. Did you do your push? I did. I promise. I did. I I just did them over here before the camera turned on. Yeah, I like to do my push ups with the cameras off. So we have to. uh, Being Marines, we have to have this inter inter branch rivalry and uh, and and that's just the way it has to go. So I do the same thing with my dad and my brother who are Navy as well um which i'm pretty sure if if they were in boot camp today it would be virtual also <laughs> yeah you know i don't know it'd be I'd, i don't think you could ap- absolutely couldn't do that so that just wouldn't work but anyways anyways but yeah let's talk about that if 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 you could go back to being 17 18 again uh would you have signed up for let's just say would you sign up for a different branch of the uh, military I, I probably would not sign up for a different branch of the military. And I have in my career, I've had exposure to all of the different branches that I didn't have when I was in the Marines. Now, I'll start here and say this. While in the Marines, I served with alongside of the Navy. I served alongside of the Army, probably not the Air Force so much. Although in Japan, we'd run over to Kadena Air Base and go to lunch because their chow hall was better than ours. Uh, I'd like to sit down and order my filet medium well. Yeah. Um, I'll take uh, I'll take two bushels of crab legs, please. <laughs> Thank you. Whereas whereas Taco Tuesday on the Marine base was uh, I'm not sure if those were actually tacos or real meat for that matter. <laughs> um, it was food I could eat it and it would it was it was sustenance. But uh, um, 
you know, in my in my career uh, in, in the military, I, I got exposure to these other branches and I saw things that I liked or didn't like. You know, I was fortunate in joining the Marine Corps. I joined not really fully knowing uh, what my MOS would bring. I wanted to have something that would give me a skill set that I could use when I got out of the military. Um, but I but I also wanted to have something that would give me a little bit of adventure. Like I didn't want to sit behind a desk. And so that was where the, the combat engineer field was like the perfect mix. Although I thought I'd be learning construction trades. And aside from engineer school, I never built anything ever. It was just all blowing things up. Uh, even Even in the engineer shop in Japan, I don't recall ever building anything. I by that time, I was kind of like, you know, I didn't know what I was doing anyway. So um, I, I was not a construction person. And I, I thought that that was what I was going to do. Uh, my experiences were that I got put in the fleet right away. Uh, First Marine Division, I got to get attached to a uh, it, it, to a, a an engineer platoon that was deploying with the uh, 2nd Battalion, 1st Marines, Fox Company 2-1, which, which was our company we were attached to, with the 11th Mew. And I got to go through like the boat school in San Diego, get to be on the Zodiacs. Um, I I did not attend the boat school. I got to go through a lot of the training, the SOTG training and all this cool stuff. And it's cool stuff, like cool training that, that, you know, a lot of us see in the movies or on video games. It was, it was amazing stuff. Um, and so, you know, I got to have these cool experiences and got to travel around the world. And uh, I couldn't imagine having done those adventures in, in the other branch. I don't know. When I talk to other people, I have exposure to other people now that have served in these different branches. And they're doing these technology jobs, which is cool. It's not necessarily my thing. Um, and they might get stationed in Germany for four years. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to go to 16 countries uh, in yeah. the course of like two and a half years, really, uh, over the course of four years. Aside from like we were in Japan, I got to go to Australia and got to travel to a couple of, of different islands around uh, around Southeast Asia. Those are really cool experiences. I would, I would probably say that I would not have done it a different way. I explored all the other branches, didn't see. I, I think I needed the Marine Corps. For me personally, I was kind of a, a punk kid in high school with no direction. I still joke around today that I have no idea what I want to do when I grow up. Um, but I needed that. I needed the Marine Corps to kind of whip me into shape. And that was what, what boot camp was for me. It was, it was uh, there are no longer any excuses. You, your your personal successes and failures are your fault. Uh, if you fail, it's your fault. If you succeed, it's your fault. If you want to be awesome, it's your fault. Um, or it's it's you know it's your doing. So that was That's a your great fault. lesson, right? It's your fault. That it's your was fault. Great, You're so awesome. Those are great. That was those were um, those are great lessons that uh, honestly, in my opinion, I think any young man or woman could use. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know a lot of adults. I have I have worked under executive leaders who could not take responsibility for their actions. You know, yeah. uh, I learned that day one at Paris Island that, uh, it, you know, if you suck, it's your fault. If you're awesome, that's your doing. It's, it's because of your efforts. Um, so, uh, you know, I totally do it again. I needed it. It was probably the best thing I ever did in my entire life. Yeah. Uh, and it's something that I encourage my son to do, maybe on a different level, maybe do something a little bit different from I did. Part of one of your questions was, would you do it again? Would you join a different branch? One of the things that I didn't know about the Marine Corps when I was coming up on four years was that there were other duty stations and other billets that I could have been assigned to. And I think this was the, the day, these were the days before really we were using the internet and things like that. But I have a friend, Chris Cravens joined us on the, uh, on the, the podcast a few, few months ago. Chris Cravens was an infantry Marine 
and then went to work in DC under NCIS, which is like the Naval Criminal Investigative Service. That's like, that's super cool. He got to work alongside of like the Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps and the Commandant of the Marine Corps and do all kinds of cool stuff in Washington, DC. I was unaware that there were jobs like that. I totally would have stayed in for another couple of years and, and re-upped and, and gone and done a, a pretty cool billet like that. So all these different options, there's a lot more networking capabilities these days. Yeah. You have the, um, there's the recruiters, there's DIs, there's things like, uh, like you just brought up and then there's, um, oh God, I can't think of the, the term right now, but there's, there's embassies, the embassy guards, you can, um, MSG Marine yeah. security guard. Yep. You sign up, you get accepted to be uh, part of the em- embassy guard teams. And essentially, it's it's just kind of like when we were in engineer school. I know we got a wish list and you put down your top three potential duty stations. And essentially, they just go, well, we're going to put you wherever we want. But that's nice to know what she's like. Um, you know, it's one of those where like, if it's available, maybe. But the reality is, is they're going to put you where where they need you first and foremost. Um, but you sign up for these embassy duties. And from my understanding, it was about a three year, three year bid. And the first half, the first year and a half, the 18 months is you're not going to go somewhere nice. You're not going to go somewhere pretty. It's going to be somewhere that, you know, people don't want to go. Yep. And and it's going to be dangerous. It's going to be, you know, dirty. There's not going to be a whole lot of of freedoms and liberty. You're not going to get to go out on town a ton because it's, it's not a fun place. It's a safe place. Yep. And there's a possibility that at some point you will have to defend the embassy. Um, and then I was told that the second half of that, the next 18 months, that's when you get the, uh, you know, Havana, Cuba, you know, you right. get South Sweden. America. Yeah. Yeah. You know, whatever is your, you know, your cup of tea is. If you wanted to right. go to the, uh, you know, embassy in Ireland. You right. Know, I've always wanted to spend time in Ireland or I want to go to Colombia or I want to go to Cuba. And you know, then you get to spend a year and a half in these tropical destinations or in European right. destinations. Um, I, I honestly didn't really hear much about that until literally I was in the uh, the TAPS program. And I'm like, right. oh, at this point, I've already kind of, yeah. I'm, I'm well, going down this options. river now. There's no mm. turning around. Huh. Right. Well, and I got, you know, I got out. I went home. I started a college. I was dating a girl. And, uh, and then the Marine Corps called me back. Some gunnery sergeant called me back one day and they're like, hey, we'll, we'll give you this $30,000 sign on to come, come back, come back for a year, uh, to deploy into Iraq. And this was at the time when the IEDs were killing everybody. Yeah. And, um, and of course, combat engineers, we were at the front of that. So, um, I thought long and hard about this. I, I chewed on it and chewed on it. But, you know, my thought was, um, if I went back in, I'd want to go do some other sort of duty. I, I, you know, I, I did, I did a couple of years I, or I did my, I did my four year enlistment. I didn't necessarily want to interrupt what I had already started doing back in my civilian life to go back. And I was afraid that, uh, that if I went back in, I would never get back to where I was like the progress yeah. I was making in my civilian life. And so, um, you know, I, I've thought about that a lot. I, the, the, it has crossed my mind to even join another branch to join the national guard and do a different type of duty after I've been out in my civilian world and things like that. One of the things that's held me back is, and I talk about this a lot when I'm training on, uh, when I'm training civilian, when I'm training companies on why they should be hiring military and some of the the, the different distinctions there is that 
you look at these men and women who have full-time jobs in corporate America and are serving in a reserve or guard capacity in the military, they get called up to go to deployments or training. They're leaving their friends and families behind. They're missing childbirths and, and high school graduations. And these people are gone for weeks and months and years at a time, especially over the course of, you know, through the 2000s and the, the, into the middle 2010s, when there were large scale operations going on in Iraq and Afghanistan still, these were people that were, you know, the, the, the term we use like weekend warriors, but they were not weekend warriors. They were being called up for combat duty for years at a time. Um, and that's one of the things that's held me back. When I talk to people who were like, I've, I've been deployed for the last nine months and I have a two-year-old at home. I can't imagine it, man. And I, and I, I have the utmost respect for people that have done that. I have Absolutely. a child at home. There's no way, there's no way I could do it these days. Absolutely. Uh, we're too attached. And so um, it's one of those things where that's, that's what's held me back from doing it. Uh, but there are all these amazing opportunities, people. I mean, the, the military is not from the outsider, from a layman perspective. The military is not what people think it is. About 13% of the military are combat arms. The rest of them are like technology and doctors and nurses and IT and HR and payroll. People got to make sure that you right, know, right. paid. people got to yep. get fed. People got to, you know, medical treatments. Things people, like that. people, people, yeah, people making robot dogs, you know, yeah. like it's, <laughs> it, and, it, and it really is. I mean, if you look at the Space Force and like the, the, the operations of the Air Force and the Navy right now, even the Marines are getting high tech. The Marines have mm -hmm. drones and, and things like that. The military is not what it was 50 years ago. And it's in 10 more years, it's probably not going to be what it is right now, obviously. Yeah. Um, but regardless, I mean, great opportunities to, to answer the question again. If I had to do it all over again, yeah, absolutely. I would I would still do it again. If 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 all heck erupted right now, I'd go yeah, maybe put on a uniform. I'm old now. I pulled out my back playing baseball the other day. So I don't know if I'd be very combat effective in in hand to hand tactics with robot dogs, but um hand to paw tactics. Yeah. <laughs> hand to paw. But yeah, it's 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 still a cool thing to do. I I would recommend, you know, at least four years for anybody who's trying yeah. to figure out like well what comes next. Like it's 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 awesome. It's high tech. It's you get benefits. Mm -hmm. Uh you know, statistically it's probably more dangerous to be a college student uh out drinking and driving than it is to be in the military. I know that sounds weird, but uh, I think that there are statistics that actually that actually speak to that. So it's a, it's a great place to be. I would say at that age um it was it was the sense of adventure. I wanted that I wanted adventure. I wanted to travel and see things. So it was it was pretty close between the Navy and the uh, Marine Corps for me. My my dad was in the Navy. Um so those were the two I was I was really bouncing back and forth with. Um knowing what I know now, um and speaking with individuals that have, have done it and are still currently in the Air Force, um, with the knowledge I have now, if I took this knowledge back to me at 18, I might consider the Air Force more. Um, but I think at the end of the day, the promise of adventure and, and travel and, you know, getting to do things that I just don't think I would ever get a chance to do ever again in my life. Uh, It'd still be between the, uh, the the Navy and the Marine Corps, and obviously I chose the Marine Corps for a reason. The first time, I'd like to think I'd do it again. Um, but yeah, uh, you brought up you know the Marine Corps drones. Could you imagine us out in uh, you know the jungle in Japan, and they just give us a drone? 
I'm probably gonna shoot that thing. Like, I, I, I don't know if you remember, I'm taking it down. <laughs> you do like we well as engineers, like we had to learn like route recon and stuff like yeah. that. Or I guess anybody had to do route recon, but it's like, hey, go out and you have this uh, you know, we're on this uh we have to move ten miles. Yeah. Somebody go hump it out. Don't be on the road, be yeah. in the rough and you're sneaking around and sneaking around and trying to make sure that you can yeah. send vehicles Wait, down there, this road. Where are there pinch points? Is there any spot right. you would set up an ambush? Because that's what they're gonna set up the end, like things like that. Right. Yeah. So it's a it's a thousand degrees out in you know whatever country you're in or whatever training op you're in it's a thousand degrees out there and you've got all your gear on and you got to walk 10 miles and you're like oh this sucks or you you know the the, the, <laughs> the year old devil dog throws in a throws in some copenhagen sits back in like a lawn chair and gets on it puts on his his oculus glasses <laughs> and flies a drone around I'm like nope the road looks good road yeah. looks fine let's send them <laughs> i just i i i just know I know if, especially on certain training exercises, like if if there were some drones out there and somebody's zipping this drone around and I'm just not having a good day, that thing's probably going to catch a, yep. you know, a, a little round. That's <laughs> if it I doesn't. Don't know. It's if it doesn't get broken in transit. Yeah, yeah, uh, or or lost. Right, or lost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you know, just like the robot yeah. dogs, and then they somebody find ends somebody's up barracks, you know, right. locker. Right. Two months later. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, it, it's, it's changing. I think that the landscape is changing. I think that the, the basic, the basics are still there. You know, people are still learning how to shoot. They still have to be physically fit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of that, some of that might change down the road, but, uh, the, the basics are still there. But I, I, I don't know if, um, I don't know, you know, I don't know if the future of combat, somebody's probably an expert on this, but I don't know if the future of combat and warfare looks like it has looked. I, I don't know if, I am sure that there will still be physical engagements as there are, you know, if you're talking about terrorist cells, you're still gonna have to be on the ground, um, you know, slinging lead at people. But, but I think that a lot of this changes uh, the way that the future of, of combat looks and, and it probably makes it, I would assume it makes it look more appealing to people who want to join the military and maybe they're like, Hey, I don't want to, I'm not a fighter, but I'll go fly a drone. Um you know, it's it's going to be a high tech. It's going to be a high tech future. It's probably a great place to pick up college money and education. I always say that the military is more educated than its civilian counterparts. There are more degrees and high school diplomas and classroom education than the same age of civilian counterparts. So it's a great place to be. It's a great place to go pick up some some worldly experience. Yeah, uh, and I think you make a great point. Um, with the advancement of technology, wars probably will not be fought the same. Um, right going forward that that you know traditional warfare right um but the reality is with anything in life anything in life you still have to be good at the basics and you know sadly the basics of warfare is ground tactics hand-to-hand combat uh you know small arms you know usage and things like that so i think the need for as many ground troops will be lessened but there will always be that need for for ground troops and assault teams and things of that nature. So, you know, if if that's your cup of tea, there's still always going to be that need out there. You can always do that. But, yeah, I think the the opportunities for more uh, analytics driven engineering, you know, technology based uh, individuals. These, these kids are so daggone good on computers yeah. these days. Right. You know, um, you know, that 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 kid that when I was in high school was the air quotes here, the computer nerd yep. would thrive in the military today where 100%. probably back then uh, he's going to take his ASVAB. They're going to say, uh, oh, we don't really have any, uh, you know, jobs that, that, that fit your skills, but guess what? You'll make a heck of a grunt, you know, and they'll just throw him out there and he's not going to do yeah. well in that environment where we, that same individual is going to thrive today. 
we had this conversation a, a few episodes ago where the, the military in some branches, I think it was the Marine Corps, was looking for a more uh, independent thinking mm-hmm. ground troop. And that's that's what that comes down to. It's it's yeah. uh, the military is looking for smarter, uh, more capable, intelligent people that can think on their feet versus people who are waiting for orders. And that's, yeah. you know, that, that was what I always got from the Marine Corps anyway. When I was in, if you remember this, like your first year in, even though you're, you know, a junior guy, they're still trying to get you to understand the job of the guys a couple Heading, ranks yeah. ahead. Because if something happens, you don't want to be frozen in analysis, paralysis by analysis, you want to be able to operate and complete the mission and get it done. It doesn't matter if you're, it's a bunch of PFCs running the show. If Sergeant Smith goes down, guess what? Corporal Johnson's now taking the lead. If Corporal Johnson goes down, Lance Corporal Schmuckatelli is now in charge. Right. Lance Corporal Schmuckatelli goes down. Guess what? PFC Disher. Right. You're the man for the job. Yep. You, you got to go. It's my time to shine. <laughs> yeah. And that's, uh, that's another thing. Anytime they saw Mar- young, especially young Marines, just kind of standing around, that's a no, no. There's always something to be done. Right. So just always let this, you know. Right, right. That's right. To be done. Yep. But yeah, I think if I could go back, I'd do it again. I'd do it again. Oh, totally. So, no question. No question. But Matt, uh, we're coming up on this hour, Mark. Uh, it's a fun episode. I, I think uh, I'm, I'm very scared of robot dogs. I'm going to have to do some research. I might go up to Boston and ask these people what the heck they're doing. Well, here's here's what you get. You you ask them to deploy robot cats so that robot the dogs, cats. The dogs the get cats. distracted by the cats. There you right. go. Right. And then the cats will need mice and, you know, oh, God. So on and so forth. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a bird. I have a bird running into my back window right now. He's been doing this for three days now. So I'm going to get a robot cat to sit to out there. Get the and robot bird. It's this bird that thinks it's fighting. It's fighting itself in my window. And oh. uh, it's really annoying because it just bangs. Gets, and I'm trying to, like, hang up pieces of paper on the window to scare it away. No, so robot cats. That's yeah, the next well, step. Maybe you could print off that picture that uh, you know, men men's formal marine uniform costume. Yeah. You know, just hang that up and they won't want to fight a marine. It'll anger the bird so bad because <laughs> the uniform looks so bad. The bird's like, I'm out. This is, this is a disgrace. But <laughs> stolen valor. Yeah. But uh you got anything else before we get out of here, Matt? Nothing else. We're gonna miss you next week. Uh yeah. But we've got a, a, a great lineup yeah. in, for the, the next month. We've got a great lineup of people, uh, as always, always looking for guests on the show, always looking for people who want to come tell their story. Uh, don't be has, don't be afraid to, to ask me on, on LinkedIn or, or knock on our door, but uh, come join the conversation. We'll, we'll put you on the calendar. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate that. Uh, as always, as I end every episode, appreciate you guys very much for listening. Uh, share with friends, family, anybody that might be interested in some of this content you can find us on all the major social media platforms feel free to share our stuff as well and you can also find us on all your major podcast platforms apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher all those good places so check us out there give us a rating review that helps other listeners find us and climb up some of those uh those charts you know that people might search somebody types in military we have a bunch of the ratings and reviews they'll pop up in there and they'll see us and hopefully uh check us out but until two weeks from now because Matt will be off in Orlando fighting robot dogs and trying to find himself a drone that's washed ashore. Yep. We'll be right back here on the Beyond the Wire podcast.